Welcome to the Beauty School Bobby podcast brought to you by Tennessee School of Beauty. So as um, you all know, probably already after listening to the podcast, I am the director of admissions at Tennessee School of Beauty um, and have been here for the last six years. So today we have a very special guest with us. Um, He's my boss, my business partner, my friend. He's actually um, the reason that I'm doing what I'm doing today with my career and this podcast. So we have Adam Brown today from Tennessee School of Beauty. Um, So welcome to the podcast. Thanks. That's exciting. Yay! Including me. I'm glad we're finally doing this. I thought you were going to be my first podcast listen or first interview, but we had to wait a little bit. So I had to get my like nerves out before we went with the big guns. So, um, okay. I have a question for you. I'm going to start off like right out the gate. Before yesterday, had you ever listened to a podcast? No. (laughs) What did you think of it? I thought it was cool. I was uh, actually running while I was listening to it and it was an easy way to run, but it was real interesting. I'm I'm proud of you. I think it's going real well. So it was this podcast. This was the one that you listened to. Yeah, this was the one I listened to. (laughs) Good. I'd heard of the word podcast though. But yesterday was the first time. Yes. Okay. And then next day being interviewed for one. Yeah, but I think on my iPhone, I have some little button or icon that says podcast on there. Well, welcome to it. Now you're on a podcast. Now you actually Thank like you. your welcome reason to, the to 21st listen. 21st century. <laughs> okay. So, um, this is a question we usually ask at the beginning of the show just to get to know you a little bit better. So what was the last show that you binge watched? That I binge watched? Well, I just started binge watching season two. Well, no, it's not binge watching. Um, I would say right on and just started back up. Um, I think Ozark was the last one I binge watched. Okay. Did you finish it? Did you finish season two? Oh, yeah. Awesome. Okay. I haven't gotten into it yet because I'm afraid of how scary it is, but that's good recommendation for yes, our listeners. Yes, I highly recommend that to all you <laughs> listeners out there. Okay. So I want to start talking, obviously, to you about Tennessee School of Beauty. So one of the things that I loved when I first came in for my interview was just how um, the family, the fact that it's family owned. So you have been your fourth generation owner of a business that's been open since 1930, um, so very much a part of your family. So I wanted to yes. ask you, what's your first memory of Tennessee School of Beauty? Uh, I think walking up the steps on Gay Street, where we were for 57 years, um, they had these, I mean, it was a real steep staircase, and anybody that you talk to that went to that school, so I remember going up those steps, but I remember going up there, and you know, I'd run in my granddad's office and then also we had candy bars out in the waiting area and I'd grab all the candy bars. <laughs> so <laughs> That's awesome. That was it but his office you know it smelled like a like a, an ashtray because he'd smoke cigarette after cigarette but I'd, I'd go in there and then I'd you know walk around and say hi to everybody and that was probably my first memories walking up those steep green steps. <laughs> do you know how old you were? Like do you have any idea? I'm like sure that? probably you know, three, four, five, six. That's awesome. Um, I yeah. love that. That's, I don't know. I think that the fact that like it goes back so far for you and it's just so, this business has just been a part of your life forever. And I don't think most people are in a career that it's just always been with them or whatever their first memory. So I wanted to know what your, yeah, your first memory is. That's actually something we've never talked about, which is weird. <laughs> um, so I want to hear your story. Um, we talked last week with Katie Hopper about... <coughs> 
being in the industry and not being licensed. So you are the same. You're not a licensed cosmetologist Thank or you. esthetician or nail um, nail tech. So I wanted to hear your story. How did you end up in the family business? Um, so number one, I never, ever, ever, ever even considered it. I mean, not even a, not even a passing thought. And I had, uh, while I was in college at the University of Tennessee, I was you know, in accounting, and then I switched to uh, pre-law and was only going to do that because I didn't know what else to do and figured it can't hurt. Well, in the meantime, I had been a tennis teacher as my summer job, so I'd done that, and I was used to working for myself. And so I had one quarter, literally, University of Tennessee was on quarters back then, um, so I had one quarter left at UT and had already been accepted to law school, and I remember, you know, again, I was only doing law school because I didn't know what else to do and knew it couldn't hurt you. And it was on December 29th, 1986, and I went to my dad and granddad and asked them if I could go into the family business. And I think they were pretty pleased because I had I'd done well academically and kind of had a business mind. And at the time, my grandfather was 77. And oddly enough, the beauty school that was on Gay Street that we talked about was moving in March. I was graduating college in March. And, um, you know, we had three locations at the time. And so I think my grandfather was kind of happy because, you know, again, he was 77 at the time and just a lot of changes were happening. And so... When I told them that, they were excited and, or at least acted like they were. <laughs> and um, the plan was for me to go to beauty school, get my cosmetology license, get my instructor's license, and really to be able to do everything. So my last quarter at UT, I was finishing up college and going to beauty school at the same time. So how long did you make it here? I've, we've never talked about this either. Like how long did you actually make it in beauty school? I think I made it probably to about 400 hours. Um, I got through all my freshman classes so while I was at UT and then I think maybe for the next month then I was just doing that. But while I was doing that, you know, if they had a career fair or something, um, I would go to that. So I guess dad was kind of teaching me the business and then we had run off so many clients that we're like, you know what, let's just keep them in the business end of it. But I, I think pretty quickly my granddad saw that I had much more of the business mind than the creative mind. Yeah, so you at least had some knowledge of it. And one of the things that Katie... Oh, I could cut your hair right now. <laughs> that'll be on a different... That'll be on a video <laughs> podcast for sure. We have to see that. But um, Katie and I were talking about like challenges that we both have faced in the industry, not being licensed. Do you feel like you face challenges of like running a beauty school but not having that? I guess since you have 400 hours, I feel like you probably know what you need to know for what you do. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure it would help more if I had it, but, you know, one thing I guess I'll pat myself on the back on is I was smart enough to have people handling things, have, have licensed cosmetologists handling parts of the business that I certainly didn't need to be involved with. Yeah, I think that's smart. Yeah, you always, I mean, and you say this all the time, I mean, you've surrounded yourself with 
like really good people as well. So there is something different about Tennessee School of Beauty and people that have gone here. It just, once you're in the family, you're just kind of like always in it. And I think that that is definitely something that separates us a little bit. Yeah. I say one of my strengths is I know my weaknesses. And so yeah. I, don't, I don't pretend to, you know, go out there and say, oh, I think we need to teach haircutting this way or that way. I, I know what I don't know. Yeah. That's awesome. And since you're on the business side, I feel like it's not, you know, as important. Um, okay, well, speaking of kind of what makes us different, what do you think is the one thing that makes Tennessee School of Beauty different? I mean, you have friends that own schools all over the country. So what do you think that you've done differently or your family's done differently? What makes us different than those other beauty schools? Um, I think the fact that it's been in our family for so long, and I mean, you see this, we get prospective students who say, my grandmother went here, and mm -hmm. you know, a lot of them knew me or know me and you know I think just maybe the consistency um also and this will sound cliche or whatever but you know we always put education first um I mean it's it's nice to make money and you know I'd love to make more but you know if it's between me getting an extra thousand dollars or getting something that the students or the school needs that's what we'll do and it's not you know a lot of my school owner friends um they're very, very smart people, but they're they're running businesses, I guess. I mean, it wouldn't matter if, if they were selling, you know, screwdrivers or if they're selling education. And, you know, I, I think we're in the beauty business, and that's, that's it. I, it's not always about the bottom line. Yeah. Well, I know it's hard for you to like pat yourself on the back, but I do have a question for you that I, when I was, great. when I was thinking about it, I was like, this is going to be hard for him to answer. Um, but what do you think out of all the years you've been doing this? So how many years have you uh, been? 31, almost 32. Oh my goodness. Okay. So out of all of that time, what is your biggest accomplishment been? Like, what's the one thing that if you can look back on your career after that long that you're like, that made me take a step back. Like that really like shocked me or like hit me hard like what was something that was um, there's memorable? probably been I'll, I'll give you about three answers one oh, you're what, more prepared than I thought you were oh yeah I have all kinds of good things I can tell you about myself <laughs> um I think one the fact that you know we're still here I mean you read all the time about the percentage of third generation businesses that fell and fourth generation is is very rare so mm -hmm. I think that I think the fact that so many school beauty schools have opened and closed uh, while while we continue on. I'll, I'll never forget, and I've probably told you the story, but there was a uh, there was a gentleman in town that had school that had salons, and he had a beauty school as well. And I remember when I went in the business, he said, "You know, I can't beat the grandfather, but I'll I'll beat the the young guy." And you know, he was out of business about seven years <laughs> later. So. Um, that, and then I think also just seeing how it's grown. I mean, the number of students we have now versus way back when. And, um, you know, I think it's something that people can be proud. It's not just a little mom and pop's beauty school. And I think, you know, you see this when people come in, they're like, oh, wow, this is like a real, like a real school. Mm -hmm. And so I think maybe elevating the, you know, the beauty school or, you know, somewhat of the industry has, you know, probably been what I'm really proud of. And then of course, you know, seeing, seeing the number of salon owners out there. I mean, when they come back and, you know, they maybe thank me or I've guided them a little bit that, I mean, that's probably 
the best accomplishment is helping these people. I mean, even if they don't own a salon, just helping them, you know, get a career. And you've got the, you know, the girl on welfare that I remember, you know, came in and was riding the bus and, you know, walking two miles uphill both ways, <laughs> as they say, and all that. And, you know, you see that she's supporting her family. So that, you know, that's probably it. But just selfishly, it would probably be the fact that we're still going strong and probably stronger than ever after all these years. Yeah, it's crazy. And that was actually one of my questions, but you kind of hit on this already, is um, it's not normal this day and age to have a business that's been open as long. And when I tell people, you know, we've been open since 1930, and I mean, so many people, the reaction is, wow, like, it's just not something that you see a lot. So I think that it says a lot about, like, what you've done and just your family, like, Get, you obviously did something right to, to stay open this long and just to be fourth generation owned is is kind of unbelievable. So well, thanks. And, and I think again, it's you know as a lot of corporate schools have gotten into this, you know, not that I want anyone to close, but it is satisfying when you see that. And you know again, you and I hear so much, oh, I feel so comfortable and it's nice that you know the students call me Adam, it's not Mr. Brown. I mean it it is a family environment, I think. and so, um, that's just, I guess, kind of cool that that's the way. I mean, that that's the way I'd like to be perceived, and I think, fortunately, that is the way it, it's perceived. And, you know, even today we had a, a girl from California come in, and, you know, I said to her, how would you choose our school? And she said, you know, everyone I talked to said they went there, and that's what they recommend. So, yeah. you know, that that tells me we're doing something right. Yeah. And I was like, I was saying, I did an interview with, you know, Katie Hopper from Geo, And that was one thing as we were talking about, um, how I got into the industry and just the interview that we had. And I remember coming in and just like having no idea about Tennessee school of beauty. I mean, I'm not from here, so I hadn't heard of it. I'm not in the beauty industry. So I had no idea what I was coming into. Um, but after meeting with you and talking to you about it being a family business, I was like, there's something here, like there's something different. And I think now when I show students through this school and they feel that too um I don't know if it's just inside the building or what it is I mean there just is such a clear difference of you know this feeling like a little family and I've seen that now being here six years and having students that I've become friends with I mean one of our you know graduates is a very very good friend of mine and like you build those relationships mm -hmm. you know just while you're here it's not just school um I keep in touch with parents I mean that's always I think my favorite thing is like when we have parents that when their daughter's graduating or their son's graduating and they come in and they're just like thank you you know so much you know I feel like that just means the world no so. I, I know and in, even in this day of social media you know when when a parent Facebook requests me or whatever mm -hmm. that yeah that's kind of cool yeah it is so okay what is um what is like a challenge that you face here in your career is there something that you've been like that was really difficult for you or anything you got into that was that was kind of hard for you to figure out or is it just kind of keeping up with the industry changing yeah I think you know there's still a stigma of you know being a hairdresser so you know as I tell people all the time our competition's not the other beauty schools in town it's the image or you know if, if someone out here is listening has a daughter you know do you want them to go to beauty school or do you want them to you know be a doctor or nurse or whatever the you know typical profession is so that I've always said that's probably the hardest thing to overcome is you know just the stigma of you know what the industry used to be yeah um, you know when people say oh you know hairdressers are a dime a dozen yet 
every salon out there needs hairdressers, so the market's definitely not saturated, but I think, you know, that, and then just, you know, continuing to grow. I mean, I, you know, it's, it's funny because we're, we're 88 years old, and there's probably schools out there that, competitors that say, you know, oh, you know, that school's, you know, they're a zillion years old, you don't want to go there, but I think it's actually the opposite. I think we're a zillion years old because we do kind of continue to move ahead. I mean, you know, we were the first school in the state to offer the, you know, medical aesthetics. We were the, you know, first partner school in the U.S. Uh, standalone for MUD, our makeup school. We're the eighth um, extreme lash partner school. I mean, it's, you know, we're always, I'd like to think, a little bit ahead of the game. Yeah. I think that you've always done a really good job of that. I mean, I think that we always are doing things differently. And, and if there is a class or like something that happens with, um, when balayage, I remember when balayage like first came out and everyone was like, Oh, you know, we need that. I had so many graduates that would call and be like, Hey, I need a class. I need a refresher. Can I come watch how you're teaching this? Um, and so I think there's staying up to date on the trends is so important. Like you said, even being 80, almost 89 years old, like it's, you know, so important to stay on top of that stuff. So yeah, no, yesterday I was speaking with somebody and there's, there's something out there right now that's all the rage and I told him I said hey can you have the owner of the company call me I said we we need to look into beginning to offer that yeah well, that's awesome so exciting things ahead for us which leads me into my next question perfectly uh -uh. Um, where do you see Tennessee School of Beauty in the next five to ten years like what do you see happening or what do you want where do you want TSB to be in the next little bit uh, I mean honestly I just you know if we just continue doing what we're doing, I'm, I'm fine. I mean, there's, you know, maybe a, a dream out there somewhere that my son Stephen would be involved in the business. And, mm -hmm. you know, I mean, I can just think back to when I got in it, and it was so neat being able to call my dad and say, Dad, I just, you know, enrolled a student or something. And so, I mean, I'm, I'm fine if he does whatever he's passionate about, but that's, you know, somewhere in the back of my mind, there's probably a, a dream there of, of, us working together and you know if he could continue to grow it I mean that would be fantastic I'd love nothing more than to be sitting on a beach somewhere and him <laughs> you know letting letting him grow the business yeah well I love that and I know we mentioned this in earlier podcasts but Stephen Brown actually did the music for us so we've gotten him like started a taste yeah. of it at yeah. least that he's doing like the thing that he loves right now um for us so um I want to turn the tables a little bit and talk okay. about me. Okay. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Not about me completely. But what do you think if there are other um, beauty school owners or just people that are working in beauty schools also just across the country, what do you think makes um, like a really great admissions director? Like what do you think is important to have in a school um, or what position do you feel like is important to have in a school for like students um, to go to and talk to? Um, well, I mean, obviously I think the person needs to be you know, friendly and nice and care about them and someone they can look up to and all that. But I think more, and this isn't the typical format for beauty schools, but, you know, and, and you learned it very quickly, it's not all about numbers. You know, I've told you a hundred times, you know, and I think it blew you away when when you first started this, and I'd be like, eh, I'm not sure that's somebody we want in our school. Whereas I think a lot of admissions reps out there just have to, to meet numbers and goals and you know even when we get transfers from other schools it's not always somebody that 
you know, is a good fit for our school. Um, and that doesn't mean somebody has to be, you know, size two or, you know, miss this or that. But, you know, we, I mean, I'm proud. It sounds silly, but, you know, there's never been a fight in our school in 88 years. You know, I, I mean, we want people that, you know, Zill saying goes, you can take home to, to mom. Um, mm-hmm. And again, I think salons expect that from us. But, you know, and you, you've done a great, great job from day one of, delivering the message exactly the way we want you to do it. I, mm-hmm. I think there's probably admissions reps out there that, you know, not necessarily there's a script, but, you know, you're supposed to kind of say this or that, and you go off on some sort of tangent, and that might create all kinds of problems. You know, I, I like that any student that comes to us, you know, if they've got a problem or whatever, we can say, you know, no, we said this, and because we've said it to every single student in the school. Um, So, but I think, you know, I just don't think an admissions rep can look at it as a a job. I mean, you're wonderful about caring about these students, and they come in, and they look up to you, and you can joke with them, and, you know, and some of it's the the atmosphere or environment we created. I mean, in, Mm -hmm. in a corporate school, it might not you might not have that flexibility because maybe the owner's in another state or, you know, whatever it is. But um, I, I would say making making that student feel welcome and probably the more I think about it, more than anything, I think you've got to be 100% honest with these mm-hmm. people. You know, yeah. you, you and I and the students get mad sometimes, but when we get real young girls that are interested in aesthetics, you know, I think we both do a good job of explaining we're more than happy to have you, but it's going to be tough to get a job as a 17-year-old in aesthetics in East Tennessee. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, there there are people out there that'll say, oh, come into the business, you'll make $75,000, you know, your first year. And, you know, we always try and tell them low and let them be pleasantly surprised. So I, I just don't think you can fool somebody into coming here. I mean, you may you may get some people, but I think that's why a lot of these schools have closed, you know, over the years is because they, they did whatever they could to drive their numbers up, and then when they couldn't follow through with what they had promised, it just becomes a big mess. Yeah, definitely. Well, um, and you kind of touched on this, so I wanted to talk about it. With us being open so long, um, we have so many graduates in Knoxville that own their own salons. Um, so one of the things that I think that we do a really good job of is having them come into the school and our students knowing those salon owners. So do you want to talk a little bit about the salon owners in the area and just that relationship that we keep with them and why that's so important? Yeah, I think, um, well, number one, it's important for us because they're the ones that are hiring our graduates. Mm-hmm. You know, and if we can't get students jobs, then you know we're not doing our part. Um, I think too, again, because of our environment and the atmosphere, you know, hopefully they don't hate us when they leave. Um, I think they know the quality of student they're getting. Uh, I know from their end, I think it's twofold. They come in. One, because they want to get good students. And as we've explained, if the students get to know you, they're going to want to come to your salon. But I think, too, they remember, you know, when they were sitting in that chair as an 18, 25, 40-year-old, you know, three months into beauty school and a salon owner came in. So I I really think a lot of these salon owners want to give back both to the industry and to their alma mater. Mm -hmm. Um, But they're, I mean... 
the teachers are the lifeblood. You know, if, if we don't have good teachers, we don't have a good school. So that that will always be first. But I think if these people aren't, if these salon owners aren't wanting to hire our graduates, I mean, again, it's like the girl that came in today from California that had asked, you know, 10 different hairstylists or salon owners, where should I go to school? Mm-hmm. You know, when they say our school, that's, you know, the, the biggest compliment we can get. Yeah. Um, and I think also because they know we're going to be honest with them. If, you know, we're so close with these salon owners that they may call and say, tell me about Susie. And we're like, oh, she hid in the break room the whole time or she complained. She wouldn't volunteer for stuff. You know, so they know we'll be honest and we'll also say, I don't care if you have room for this person or not, you need to make room for them. They're going to be a superstar. Yeah, and I've thought about this a few times about how hard it would be to open up a beauty school now without that backing. Like, I don't understand how either that you even hear about the school or, um, you know, how placing placing students and stuff, it's so easy for us, I think. Right. And I'm so spoiled on only knowing this school um, and how we operate that, like, I can't even imagine just going somewhere and opening up a beauty school and not having the backing of the salon owners in the area. Cause I just think that they help us so much and give, there are definitely certain salons more than others that give back to us. Um, but just having that relationship with them is, is everything. So I think we're so lucky for the graduates and salon owners that support us. Yeah. I think that that's kept us going. No, it, it, I mean, you're right. I is even as long as I've been in this business, if I moved to another state or whatever, I, there's no way on earth I would open up a beauty school because of those obstacles. But you know, today's a perfect example. We've got Beleza Salon. They had their staff in Italy um, a week ago. They came back, and one of the first things they did was sent some of their educators to teach our students what they learned in Italy one week ago. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, that just that says more about them than it does about us. But Definitely. just the fact that they were, you know, that they spent all that money, because I know it was very expensive, but they spent all that money to educate their staff, and then they're coming back and educating our staff. I mean, many who aren't even going to go to their salon, but yeah. they're just, they give back. And, you know, Marwan and Regina are a perfect example of people that, give back and are looking, you know, even if it doesn't help them, they want to help others. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So I have another question that I was thinking about that I've never asked you, but you're a very successful businessman. Um, everyone knows you in Knoxville. Has there ever been a time that you've been like embarrassed to be like him in the beauty industry? Has there ever a time that like, you're like, that you feel like it's a little less of somebody that's like a lawyer or something like that, that you're like weird about being like, I'm a beauty school owner. No, but it's funny. My my wife, it makes her absolutely crazy because we live, you know, I've been very fortunate and we live on a street and pretty much are surrounded by doctors and, you know, they'll say, what do you do? And I'll say, you know, I'm a hairdresser. And she'll say, you're not a hairdresser, you're you're a (laughs) business owner and all that. And so, no, I'm not embarrassed at all about it. In fact, you know, it's kind of cool and I've heard this from other people that, you know, these certain professions yet they're the ones that are asking to borrow money to you know do things like that so no I mean I don't I don't care I, I truly don't care if somebody's a, a ditch digger or whatever you just you do the best you can and and I think I think what's neat about our industry whether people I don't want to say make fun of hairdressers or or salon professionals again that's that's not the right word but those are the people, the doctors, the lawyers, the, the, they're all going to get their hair done, mm-hmm. you know? And so 
even if they snub their nose at you. And this is something for, you know, if there's any listeners out there that are in beauty school or thinking of being in beauty school, if, you know, if you're embarrassed about this, don't be because these, you know, Warren Buffett has to get his hair cut mm -hmm. and, you know, he's going somewhere to a, you know, licensed professional. Um, as they always say, the, you know, truck drivers are the ones delivering the bread to the stores and the milk that we, you know, consume. So, no, I, I've never been embarrassed about it. Um, I think it's cool to say you own your own business. Uh, you know, I'm still banking on a lot of what my dad and granddad, you know, established, so I'm still riding their coattails some. That, that'd probably be the only thing early in my career that I was a little bit embarrassed of. It, it took... It probably took me a good 15 years before I felt like, you know, I deserve some of the success that we had because yeah. it was always just, well, that's because of them and, you know, but we've added so many programs between the aesthetics and the makeup and the lashes and all that that I, you know, things that they weren't doing at the time. Yeah. I'm sure it took you a while to feel like it was yours, like to be like, oh, this is my school. Um, I'm it, sure it took a minute. Yeah, it, it definitely did. And like I said, still a lot of that success. I mean, I, you know, when, when a, a lady that went here in 1940 sends her granddaughter here, mm -hmm. that, that has nothing to do with me. That was yeah. because, you know, my granddad provided a good education for the, for that lady. Yeah. And she's assuming that, you know, I'll do the same. Well, I wanted to ask you that question because I think that that's something that we hear a lot. I'm out in high schools a lot talking to the students that are in high school cosmetology classes and it never fails that at the very end there will be somebody that comes up to me and is like, I really want to do this, but my parents want me to go to traditional college. Um, and I think that that's what I wanted to ask you about or that's why I wanted to kind of get your opinion on it is because so many people just have this negative idea of the beauty industry. Um, but right now, I mean, it's recession proof. I mean, I wasn't around, you know, 2007 when all of that like all happened. But um, from what I've heard, um, hairstylists, you know, stayed busy. Um, if you're down to your last dollar, like you're going to get your hair done. Like, I don't know if it's that we're vain or what, but like we obviously care about what we look like. So um, I think that when I hate when I hear that students are being pressured into traditional college or that their families aren't on board. But I think it's so important that we get the message out of like how professional we really are. And and you mentioned this earlier, but when parents come into the school and they just say, you know, when they see what we're doing, it is one of my favorite things. When there's a quiet parent, like I know that you know exactly what I'm talking about, but like when there's a parent and you meet them and I'm all bubbly and I'm like, hey, how's it going? And they're just kind of quiet and reserved. But by the end of it, they're excited about their child coming to school. Mm -hmm. Like that's the best, like yeah. the best feeling. No, and I think some of that has to do with some mom and pops beauty schools that aren't doing things the right way or, you know, again, just the picture of how it was, you know, 50 years ago. Mm -hmm. um, no, and, and you had you'd mentioned your recession proof. They say kind of what happens is when times get tough, you still get your hair done. It's just you might go every six weeks instead of every four weeks. But, mm -hmm. you know, we're running across this all the time, especially with the free education for the community colleges is, you know, we there's a young lady or man out there that's always wanted to do this. They do everybody's hair in the bathroom for prom and, you know, they've always been into fashion. They're watching YouTube videos constantly. Everybody in the world knows that this is the industry they should be in, but mom or dad or granny or boyfriend or whoever says, no, you need to go to quote unquote real college. 
And, you know, we're seeing this all the time now. They go to the community college because it's free. And then when they're 20 or 21 years old, then they come to us because it's what they've always wanted to do. Or they'll say, all right, Mom, I tried it your way. Now let me, let me do what I want to do. I mean, my very favorite story is we have a, a very, very, very successful graduate out there whose uh, parent was a professor at the University of Tennessee. He insisted that she go to college. She got a psychology degree. And at the graduation at UT, she handed him the diploma and said, now write me a check for, for Tennessee School of Beauty. And, you know, and again, she's done great in the industry. Um, and I think that's, that's also something that's maybe a little bit different about our school than some schools out there is, I mean, in fact, one of our teachers, she's got a, you know, a master's degree. Mm -hmm. um, I think we get, it's really interesting to me because, you know, we get a copy of their high school transcript. And I mean, I'll see these people with 4.3 grade point averages and 3.8s and, mm -hmm. you know, captain of the debate team and all this kind of stuff. And it's not, it's not just for people who can't do anything else. In fact, I, I'd say, you know, if you can't do anything else, you're, there's probably no way you're going to be able to get through our school. Yeah. Uh, but that, you know, so I think, I think the people going into the industry is changing too. Um, and that's probably, you know, a reflection on, you know, how much some of these hairdressers make and, you know, what these people are paying for services. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you're going to drop $250 on a color and cut and all that, well, somebody's getting that money, and I think people realize that. Yeah. Well, awesome. I love that. That's perfect. I um, have some questions for you, so um, done with the serious part, so now okay. we can like be our Good. normal selves okay. again. Um, but we're going to play Would You Rather. Okay. Um, so we play Would You Rather at the end of every episode. Yours are a little bit different. I obviously had to keep it tame because of the <laughs> listeners, um, but these aren't our normal Would You Rather because this is something we actually play a lot, um, but... Okay, so Roxy Adams, um, miniature golden doodle, is actually here with us today. Um, and this question's a little bit about her. Um, Roxy's like everyone's favorite at the school. Um, if you've been to TSB, you know Roxy um, and love her too. So you can check out our Instagram and stuff. There's usually like some pictures of her on there. But would you rather be able to know what your dog is thinking, like always, or be able to talk to Roxy like one time? Like for her to talk back to you? No, I'd rather... I don't even know what she's thinking. Like, I, yeah, I, I don't need her to having a conversation and telling me what I'm doing. But you wrong. don't want Roxy to know what you are thinking. Like, it can't go both ways. It has oh. to be that. <laughs> Roxy. Yeah, I, I, I don't, she doesn't need to talk to me. <laughs> okay, good. Would you rather be stranded alone on a deserted island or be stuck there with somebody that you hate? Oh, gosh. Uh, and I get to pick the person. Yeah, I feel great, like I get to pick great. the person that I put on the island with you. Uh, I'd probably, I mean, I do okay by myself, but I, I think I'd have to have somebody to talk to. That, yeah. That'd be too difficult. No, me too. I would have to. I'd, I feel like you'd learn to love them, maybe, if you're, like, on you'd a deserted find island. Find something. And I'm, and I'm so <laughs> I'm so mechanically ignorant that I'd, I'd need somebody there just to help uh, open the coconuts or something like that. I think that you wouldn't make it long. No. I'd like, be, if it's if <laughs> no or Survivor or whatever. Yeah. What's the, is that what's yeah, called Survivor? Survivor. No, I'd be, I'd, I'd be off the island... Uh, Immediately, I feel like we really need to figure out a way to get you on Survivor. Yeah, either the first, you know, 
first rat I see and I'm gone or just... let's start with like an overnight camping trip like in the Smokies like we'll start small and see if we can get you through <laughs> that and then we'll try Survivor okay this one's fun okay and I think I know your answer already um would you rather have to wear someone else's dirty underwear uh, okay for a day or use their toothbrush uh, uh oh gosh I don't I don't want to use her toothbrush. I can tell you that. <laughs> so, you're going if to it was just, their well, underwear. if it was just a one-time thing, it'd probably be the toothbrush. But if it was, you know, like wear their underwear or use their toothbrush every day, I, I don't think I could do that. And no. some of that depends on the person, both for the underwear and for the toothbrush. There's something about it being a toothbrush that makes it worse somehow to me. Yeah. Like that's like such an I don't know. That's like crossing a line. The, yeah, I using know. a toothbrush is just. I don't know. I, know. I know what morning breath smells like, so I can't imagine. <laughs> okay, so um, this is something that you actually suggested that we do, so I want to ask you. I think that we're going to start doing this at the end of all the podcasts after Would You Rather, but what is one piece of advice that you would give to somebody right now if they're thinking about going to beauty school or if they're sitting in a classroom? What advice can you get them to kind of get them through? Well, I'll give the advice that I, that I always give to if you're not in the business, I think you need to... Number one, take as many art classes as possible, you know, because, again, the head's just the canvas here. Um, I think it's a great idea to work in a salon, whether you're just the receptionist or, you know, the housekeeper, just to be in that environment. I think you'll get a real good feel for it. Um, and I think probably the other thing I would do is, you know, I think you need to have a heart-to-heart -heart with your parents or who's ever involved in the decision and... You know, if this is what you're passionate about, if you're passionate about this, you will do well in it. You will be successful. There's there's no doubt in my mind. Um, so, you know, I understand about the free education and that, you know, that's important. But, you know, like you and I tell people, you know, you can do the free community college thing or you can start, you know, right after you graduate high school. And by the time your friends are finishing up their uh, community college, you know, you're already two or three years into the business, uh, which will give you a major, major head start. And then, you know, and then I think if you are looking at beauty schools, let's just say you're in whatever state or you move to a state, you don't know anybody, I would call up, you know, ask around what the, what the best salons are and then just call them up and say, my name's so-and-so, I'm thinking of going to beauty school what school do you recommend or what's the best school in town or where are most of your graduate or most of the people that you hire, where are they from? And I think that'll give you a real good indication because there's a lot of, there's a lot of schools out there that are all nice and shiny and, and all that, but the education's not what it needs to be. You know, I'd rather you go to a dumpy school that has great education, that the teachers have been there a long time than some place that looks like the Taj Mahal that has teacher turnover all the time. They can't pass their state board and things like that. So, you know, I think I probably answer a lot more than what you were asking, but that's, you know, that's what I would tell someone sitting out there thinking, you know, is this what I want to do for my career?
And if you're in Knoxville, come see us because you'll actually get to meet with Adam. Um, you'll meet him when you come in to see the school. So he's not MIA. He's here. You get to see him every day. So thank you so much for being with us and fun. being on the show. Um, and thank you to our sponsor, obviously, Tennessee School of Beauty. You can visit them at TennesseeSchoolBeauty.com. Follow them at Tennessee School of Beauty on Instagram and Facebook. Um, don't forget to follow me at Beauty School Bobby. Visit our website. It's www.BeautySchoolBobby. That's B-O-B-B-I.com where you can find all of our podcasts um, and then stay tuned we've got a bunch of exciting things coming up I'm actually leaving for LA tomorrow um, I'll be doing some podcasts while I'm out there so I have um, a bunch of exciting stuff to talk to you about when I get back so thanks for listening yeah. bye thanks bye <laughs>